This is the Space Shot, episode 16 for May 30th, 2017, Skylab Part 2 and the European Space Agency. Hey everyone, welcome to the Space Shot, your daily space history, pop culture, and news fix. I'm John Molnix. I'm going to cover three things today. First, Alexei Leonov turns 83 today. He's the first human to conduct an EVA or extravehicular activity outside of this Soviet Voskhod 2 capsule. In March of next year, I'll be talking about that mission in greater detail, but for now, happy birthday. The second thing I want to cover is the European Space Agency Convention, which was signed on this day in 1975. Delegates from the original member states, Belgium, Denmark, France, Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, Spain, Sweden, and the United Kingdom met in Paris to sign the agreement. The European Space Agency arose from a merging of the European Launcher Development Organization, which had been established in 1961, and the European Space Research Organization, founded in 1964. The European Space Agency now has 22 member states and an annual budget of about 5.75 billion euros. Their primary spaceport is the Guiana Space Center, located in Kourou in French Guiana, which is in South America just above the equator. In the past few years, ESA has been in the news for their Rosetta mission with the Philae lander that explored Comet 67P Cherumov-Gerasimenko to the joint NASA and ESA Cassini-Huygens mission at Saturn. The Cassini mission has entered the beginning of what they're calling its grand finale, which will see it plunge into Saturn's atmosphere on September 15th, just three and a half months from now. In the coming decade, ESA has Earth and planetary science missions that will explore Mercury, Mars, and Jupiter. One of the missions I'm most excited about is the Plato mission, or Planetary Transit and Oscillations of Stars, which will study extrasolar planetary systems, looking specifically for evidence of terrestrial planets that orbit the habitable zone around sun-like stars. Lastly today, I want to dive back into where we left off with Skylab 2 yesterday. I went over the three critical issues that NASA needed to solve to save the Skylab mission. The most pressing issue was to fix the meteoroid and sun shield so that the station would be able to be cooled enough for astronauts to live and work in the station for the duration of the mission. While working on fixing the sunshade, NASA also had to focus on maintaining control of Skylab while not running out of nitrogen fuel. The other two issues NASA had to work on while coming up with a fix for the sunshade was making sure they maintained control of Skylab while not running out of nitrogen fuel. They also had to make sure that they kept Skylab pointed towards the sun so the solar panels that were part of the Apollo telescope mount could get enough power for the station to function when it was rotated to be cooled off. Unfortunately for Skylab, where the Apollo telescope mount solar panels faced was on the same side that was missing the sunshield. So in order to charge the batteries, you ended up cooking the side of the space station without a sunshield, which was not an ideal situation. NASA was working against the clock to save Skylab, and the stories of that tense time between the launch of Skylab 1 and Skylab 2 is recounted in the book Homesteading Space, The Skylab Story, by David Hitt, Owen Garriott, and Joe Kerwin, one of the Skylab 2 astronauts. The authors go over how the cooling problem was solved by an engineer named Jack Kinsler. Kinsler figured out a way to deploy a new sun shield from inside Skylab, whereas other proposals involved long and potentially dangerous spacewalks. 
Skylab had countless experiments on board, from simple medical ones, to heliospheric science studies, to experiments that would be exposed to the vacuum of space. One of the ports that exposed those experiments to space was on the sun-facing side of the spacecraft that was missing the sun shield. Kinsler developed an ingenious solution that would spread the sun parasol over the affected area of the station, similar to how an umbrella opens up and spreads out. Numerous parasols were stitched together by hand to be tested on Earth before astronauts would take them into space. Finally, a design was settled on, and the astronauts were able to take one of those with them into space to fix the station. Tomorrow, we're going to finish up with Skylab and talk about how NASA was able to free the jammed solar panel, allowing Skylab to be basically fully operational. We're also going to talk about the Japanese Kibo module on the International Space Station, which was brought up into space by the Space Shuttle Discovery on May 31st in 2008. Thanks for listening to the show. It would mean a lot if you could leave a review on iTunes and now on Google Play Music as well, since the podcast is available there for listeners that use Android devices. Be sure to share the Space Shot on Facebook, Insta, Twitter, everywhere you connect with your friends and family. I'm John Molnix, and I'll catch you on the flip side.